Hello, my name is Gary. And my name's Simon. And welcome to EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. This is episode two, and on our podcast today, we'll be talking about charging and the future for companies like Polar, Ecotricity and GridServe, something of a hot topic just at the moment. Uh, but before we start, uh, Simon, I believe you're out having a look at the new MG this week. Yeah, so um, me and uh, another fellow YouTuber um, went to a kind of a, almost a bit of a, a, a joint joint effort when it comes to uh, to filming, which made things a damn sight easier. We went to the London Motor Show in uh, in the XL, and one of the key things really that we were going to see was the brand new EZS MG, uh, which is their first mainline electric SUV. That was quite good, actually, um, and I say quite good because um, there were some some really good points about it, and I would say not so good uh, points about it. For for me, it's uh, it's a car that can definitely find its point in the SUV market at the moment, especially with like the Neuro and the uh, and the Kona out at the moment. The price point seems reasonable after grant they reckon it's somewhere between 22 and 25 which makes Seriously? yeah uh, now I, I, I we actually got told by mg on the stand it was between 25 and 32 which to me sounds more believable and there's lots of various things going around it's only got a 43 kilowatt hour battery though price wise by the time it comes out and it's being made in china which means they can probably mass produce these probably might be more of the 25 mark and then if you got the three thousand pound government subsidy 22 looks quite appealing the uh, the range was about uh, i think they they estimated between 150 and 170 so it's not a it's no by nowhere near you know, the kona and nero but if they get the price point right then it could quite easily find a market yes it could be the sort of down market equivalent of the uh, the model 3 you know the one that everybody wants but can actually afford yeah oh, and indeed i mean it's there was a lot to, to like on it. I mean, the, the inside was very nice, leather interior, glass panoramic roof, very similar to the Neuro and the, and the Kona. The, there was a couple of things I didn't like. One was was the range. Nowadays, I you know, if they could have hit the 200 mile range, would have been nice. The charging flap on the front is a bit of a bone of contention for me. It's ginormous. It's plastic. It feels cheap, and it's awkward where they've put it. The charge flap kind of lifts above and then you have to fiddle around underneath to find the ccs and the uh, type 2 and weirdly they had no information around what speed it charges at whether it's like 100 kilowatt type thing and if it isn't to be honest if it is if it's 100 to 150 type kilowatt charging then it makes it more appealing in terms of the price because even though you haven't got the range you're not taking as long perhaps to charge it up so it's something I think people will have to look at maybe the Kona, the Nero, and the and the MG, and and kind of work out what what's best for them and what price is good for them. So definitely, it's got a market. I I liked I would say eighty percent of the car. Uh, I I personally don't think I'd buy one just based on the remaining twenty percent, unfortunately. But other people probably would. Okay, all right, that sounds good. I'm going to keep a, an eye out on that and see what happens. Our feature topic is charging and its future. I suspect this is probably a topic we'll come back to and revisit several times as there is a huge scope and potential in this topic. I don't think anyone can put their hand on their heart and say that the UK charging infrastructure is perfect. Unless you drive a Tesla and you can use their supercharging network, chances are you've hit one or more of the following problems with charging. Charges that have been iced. Chargers with broken connectors, queues at chargers, chargers that actually weren't working happened to me just this week. 
Oh, really? Uh, exactly the same thing. Yeah, her polar one as well. Yeah, that's um, unusual. Yeah, and indeed. Uh, not having the right apps and cards to start a charge. These are all the kinds of uh, problems that the current infrastructure is experiencing. If widespread EV adoption is going to become a reality, things are going to have to change. At the moment, there are numerous companies dealing with charging in the UK and worldwide. You've got BP Chargemaster, Ecotricity, Instavolt, Ingenie, Alpha Power, just typical examples. They've all got different charging structures, types, they've all got different apps, they all run different levels of service. But as EVs become more and more popular and are seen more and more frequently on the road, the need for a more robust charging infrastructure will increase. Ecotricity obviously made a huge step forward back in, I think it was 2013, when they uh, initially got the contract to supply the DBT fast chargers to all the motorway service areas in the UK. This, I, I think you'll agree, was just the boost that was needed to help early adopters feel, you know, a little bit of uh, love and appreciation. And it worked very well for quite a few years. However, as the EV numbers have increased, the investment and maintenance in Ecotricity chargers hasn't quite kept pace. And unfortunately, they're now seen as being a bit of a barrier to future growth, as apparently they have a clause saying that they can be the only supplier to provide charges at motorway service areas. Tesla apparently had to pay a lot of money to get their superchargers in, uh, into whichever service stations they're using. And this means that companies such as Polar can't move in to provide an alternate for EV owners wanting to charge. Uh, personally, my hit rate with Ecotricity chargers is uh, 66%. I've used three and I had one that just wouldn't start. But I'm on Chadamo, so, you know, uh, anecdotally, Chadamo fares a lot better on Ecotricity <laughs> than uh, CCS. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, at a recent EV meeting in with the Kent EV Owners Club, we asked a number of the attendees there what their thoughts were about the charging infrastructure and what they'd like to see improved. We'll be dropping a few little sound bites from those interviews into the podcast so you can hear this from the horse's mouths, as it were. Don't mean to insult anybody, but there we go. I asked all the people we talked to what was the one thing they would want changing about charging in the UK, and everybody said the same thing. Contactless payment. Makes absolute sense. You know, a simple universal way of paying for a charge at any location. No apps needed, no RFID cards, no registration, preloading of cash. Just turn up, wave your card and charge. It makes sense. Of course, there are charges that already do that. Ingenie and Instavolt are examples. The location we were at had two of the Ingenie uh, fast chargers and we, we tried them out and they were superb. But they're also two of the companies that have amongst the highest cost for charging an EV at the moment. So obviously there is a cost for having that convenience. Which then brings up the issue of pricing and how do charging companies make their money? Well, the obvious answer is they charge for using electricity, except that not all of them do. Podpoint, for example, run many charges where you don't have to pay. Polar, especially if you're on the Polar Plus, they charge a small fee for their electricity. If you're on their app, it's a little bit more expensive. Some operators like Instavolt charge a market rate of about 35 pence per kilowatt hour. Others charge more. Shell I don't know whether you heard about this, just up their rates to 39p per kilowatt hour. Uh, some charge less, but when when you consider the price of a rapid charger such as the ones that Instavolt or Polar use, we're talking about £35,000 a unit. You realise there's a lot of charging needs to be done before any profit gets made. And obviously this means the pricing model is going to have to change in the future. Now I'm not a profit, but I reckon I'm on steady ground if I say the prices aren't going to go down. <laughs> so Simon... <laughs> 
What's the maximum charge you'd be willing to pay per kilowatt hour for public charging on a rapid? So for me, I mean, I've, I've used several, the I suppose, more expensive ones like Shell, like Instavolt. And 35p to me, personally, I think is re- is quite reasonable. It's convenient as long as their as long as their unit is convenient, which you know, likes of Instavolt certainly um, and NGNE are. Shell, I, to be honest, I've only used the new motion, but I would imagine if you use the the page go type thing, it's quite similar. 35p, I think, but I think I'd probably stretch it to 40p. And the only reason why I say that is that co- the cost of of petrol is still significantly higher. As we move towards higher prices, and like you said, that that is obviously going to happen at some point. Unfortunately, that with the revenue going down on petrol, diesel, and the companies have got to make it back somewhere. And 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 really, you know, it's there's only one way for it to go. Petrol done the same; it went up and it went down. With electricity, it's a little, almost a little bit of a kind of known quantity. So the pricing would probably go down in the background if they're using renewables and things like that, which we know how cheap they are now. But obviously they can probably counter that with a little bit higher up. Now, personally, I hope it doesn't go up. I think that's inevitable though, unfortunately. You know, you've got to look at, you know, petrol one pound twenty five a litre, the equivalent you just need to get to kind of, I suppose, just under 65p a kilowatt uh, before it kind of gets that kind of tipping point between petrol and electricity. Now, Unfortunately, there are going to be people out there that that's going to be the the kind of deal breaker. It's like, well, I can get petrol for the same price, so why do I need to change my car? Uh, they won't have the care or consideration about the environment. Um, and if it was only the price point, which many people that are getting to EVs are sometimes that and sometimes a bit of both. The alternative to that and um, is is around uh, what inevitably is, is coming. And we've seen multiple companies uh, jumping into this, uh, likes of Fastnet coming in and, and GridServe and things like that, wanting to put essentially what we see as a forecourt now in petrol, but as uh, electricity, so charging hubs. There's already two reasonably large ones in um, Scotland. Um, there's one in Milton Keynes. There's a Fastnet one, which goes up to I think 350 kilowatts in Sunderland that's just opened, uh, which is insane and obviously future proofing. But the the grid serve type uh, approach that they're looking at, which is going to be these gigantic kind of places, the kind of places you see on motorways now, where you come in and there's a there's you know a massive garage, there's a massive food court, there's coffee shops and all that sort of stuff, and that I think is going to be the way that they're going to subsidise it now. Me, me and another EV driver, and I think we've we've done this before, we kind of joked that it's like, well, how much did you pay for charging? It's like £1.20. How much did you pay for coffee? Well, about six quid. <laughs> so whilst, you know, our, our journeys are quite cheap, but actually, you know, you end up paying on coffee and things like that. So if they, I, I'm, I'm, I'm half expecting them to kind of go that route with the, uh, you know, Wi-Fi, food, coffee, type approach and 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 maybe that's a tiny bit higher and they can subsidize uh, the electricity so for ev owners uh, that becomes almost a, a non-issue and actually most of us let's face it will generally sit and have coffee for 15 20 minutes so th- there's going to be ways in and i hope they go that way rather than just saying right tomorrow it's 50p a kilowatt tomorrow it's 65p a kilowatt because it'll just get ridiculous and if if that's like petrol is where it goes up and down all the time, but that generally is because of oil rates in other countries that tend to dictate that, as well as tax and various other things. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I know that's a bit of a long-winded way of sort of, uh, of of kind of getting to the answer, but 
I, I just think generally think the uh, the price at the moment of 35p is reasonable. I hope it doesn't go beyond that, but if it does, it needs to be very careful because there's a fine line between sensible pricing and putting people off. Okay, let me um sort of play devil's advocate for a moment on that because I'm sort of trying to work out in my own mind how the pricing model will change as we get more and more people trying to fill their EVs. And you know the obvious answer as we've discussed is that charges will go up. But the less obvious point is the pricing will stay constant but the services attached to them will go up. So let me explain. If we take the fossil fuel model the price of the underlying fuel, as you've already mentioned, is fairly variable, but it usually goes within a specific range, and that's uh, defined by OPEC. The rest of the cost comes in taxes and duties. The actual profit for the service station on a gallon of fuel is quite minuscule. Way back in the midst of time when the world was in black and white, I used to pump petrol as a young boy, and that was back in the time when fuel was £2 per gallon, not per litre. At that point, the company was making about 10 pence per, per gallon profit. Now that petrol is close to six pounds to, for a gallon, I think, the profit is not actually that much greater, but the underlying costs have increased in the, in the meantime. So how do fossil fuel companies make the money? You've already alluded to this. They make it on other things, such as sweets and milk and barbecue lighters and things like that. These are the things with the high profit margin. And I'm wondering whether that's the sort of the model that people like GridServe are going to try and emulate. I, I think so. I mean, from, in the even in the early kind of, I suppose, mock-up sketch, whatever you want to call it, uh, they, they very clearly showed a motorway services type approach, which was you drive in big canopies with solar and battery storage with chargers and everywhere. You know, we're talking sort of 20 plus chargers. It wasn't a small number. And then at the back, there was like a big building which clearly looked like coffee, food, uh, and they're talking about like Wi-Fi and things like that. So all the things that you basically want to, if you're going to have, let's say we get to the point where, you know, 80% charge is a 15 minute wait, you could probably get a coffee, go to the toilet, check up on some emails or whatever it's going to be. And I'd hazard the guess as well, they might even put some slower ones in the outer ring of, of those places if people are... You know, maybe want a longer stop and don't mind waiting, perhaps. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I it's definitely, I think, that's the way they've got to go. I, I, I think the, whilst Polar, Instaval, um, all these companies are great that they're putting these ultra chargers in here, there and everywhere, you know, holiday inns and outside pubs and wherever it may be, some of them are a little bit impractical. Now, I use those all the time, you know, as, as I know you do. And if I'm a long journey, it's basically kind of a kind of a stop that I have to make. I'll, I'll, I'll make it, I'll go in for a coffee, I'll come out and that's job done. Whereas if there's a kind of a bigger area that essentially wants to replace those motorway services and the likes of Ecotricity, unfortunately, I think that's the way to go. Because if you're going on longer journeys, then they're going to be the ones. Now, they're talking silly numbers about these things, you know, like 100 over the next five years across the country, which is an insane amount but really welcome and it's needed but I think also the balance will come in the the question you said I suppose earlier around queuing and things like that I think will come almost a bit of a less of an impact because charging speeds are going up car ranges are going up even if they only kind of get to the point say 400 miles how many times you're actually going to have to use those you know it's going to be maybe really long journeys or oh I haven't filled up or 
like me, I you know, I don't have the ability to fill up at home. So I think it's going to be less of an issue like with the queuing and things like that because of that. But I think it's definitely how they're going to they're going to do it. OK, so let's sort of take this to the logical conclusion and say, what's the likely ed state going to be for charging in the UK? We've already seen companies such as BP and Shell moving into the charging market. We might think they're doing this because they've seen the light and are moving away from fossil fuels. But the reality is more commercial than that. BP and Shell are oligopoly supplies for fossil fuels. They want to make sure that EV charging is also an oligopoly and one that they're leading the way in. The cynic in me also says that this is a way for them to keep a stranglehold on fossil fuel supply for as long as possible. And it makes sense to some extent. They already have the location infrastructure to accommodate large-scale rollouts of charges. I mean, Shell have a thousand stations. Um, BP have 1,280 petrol stations. Just imagine if every single Shell and BP garage in the UK had a couple of rapid chargers. You've immediately bumped the number of rapids up by 4,400 at a stroke. If you include ESSO in there, that's another 2,000 chargers. There are actually around 8,000 petrol stations in the UK at the moment, down from about 14,000 several years ago. BP Chargemaster recently announced plans to roll out 150 kilowatt chargers at its forecourts from July of this year. They also have the infrastructure to support the ancillary things around charging. We've already discussed things such as coffee shops and stores, etc. So why spend money to rebuild that when it's already there? That's the current competitive advantage that the fossil fuel providers have in this space. We, that's also one of the reasons why it's good to see someone like Critserve come in and emulate this on a much larger but restricted scale. I mean, 100 hubs around the country with a dozen chargers, coffee shops, picnic areas, it's ideal. But that then asks the question, what is their charging model going to be? What do you reckon they're going to do in terms of physically pricing the, the electricity that we're looking for price per kilowatt hour price per minute fixed price what do you think still think it'll be price per kilowatt personally i think it might be slightly higher you know that that let's take for instance if this was a motorway service station that you generally see on a long journey replace that with a grid surf model where there's no fossil fuel cars it's just all you know our utopia of ev heaven i think you're probably looking at 45p for a kilowatt I don't think they'll uh, charge per minute. I do think there'll be a cutoff, similar to what Ecotricity does, where half an hour it, it cuts off. It might even be soon if they're quicker uh, type chargers. You might, if you get to the point where you're charging, you know, uh, enough and it's quick, you might get a sort of a twenty minute. But I, I would expect the half an hour type thing to be uh, reasonably standard. It has to be contactless. It just there's no absolutely no point input in different models cards that a if if they team up with say you know another uh, company like uh, instabelt which i doubt and if they put in their own infrastructure in contactless has got to be the way this has got to be so easy and so friendly to people that are not the likes of you and me that you know have done ebeam for a while now and you know know how the different um, apps work and cards work and all that rubbish that goes with it it's got to be literally come in swipe your card like contactless payment away you go or something similar to tesla where it recognizes however that might be a bit of a, a, a leap just because tesla is only kind of uh, their own technology kind of 
allows it to do that and allows the simplicity of that. But the easiest way would be adopt a technology that it already exists, already works across multiple shops, uh, multiple retail places and garages. You know, garages are already starting to do this, that you pay at the pump. And it makes sense. You know, you come in, swipe your card, go in for a coffee, come out, swipe your card, drive off. That's how it's got to be. I, I think anything else would be madness. Yeah, no, I mean, totally agreed, 100%. I'm just thinking back to the comment you made that it has to be priced per kilowatt hour. Now, you and I have both seen the videos from our good friend Bjorn Nyland in Norway, where he's gone to a number of these Ionity 150, potentially 350 kilowatt chargers, and certain suppliers have decided that they're going to charge per minute. And if you think about it from a, not necessarily from a financial point of view, from a point of view of saying, what do we actually want? Do we want people to spend as long as possible on a charger or do we want them to be in and out as quick as possible? And if you've got something like an iPACE or one of the new Model 3s that can take the much higher charge speeds and you're charging on one of these 150 or 350 kilowatt chargers, would it make sense to say that there is a set price per minute, whatever that price may be? And I think the uh, this concept will live and die on that uh, that value. You're only going to spend 10 minutes there rather than putting in 60 or 80%. So I think there is a case to say that perhaps certain, I don't know, suppliers or certain types of chargers may benefit from going to a price per minute rather than kilowatt. Yeah, there, I mean, there is definitely possibilities for that. I mean, I I hope what I hope that, and I'm sure they would have a almost like a model that they're going right. This is going to be templated around the country. Uh, I I really hope that they don't go and say right, we'll just welcome in various vendors, and then those various vendors have their own ways of charging, as we know, um, and paying for it. So it needs to be. I think regardless of whatever it is, it needs to be consistent straightforward quick and easy uh, and then if you get the benefit of which they're probably going to have to do in getting people's money from the shops the coffee shops and uh, and all that sort of stuff then then that's it I, I can't see them for instance doing like a, a monthly charge or anything like that it's got to be literally emulating the motorway services and generally if you're there you're going to be there for at least half an hour because you have been on long journeys we haven't talked about the government yet at the moment there's a huge amount of money going into the exchequer's coffers from duty on fossil fuels. Obviously, that will decrease as EVs take off, but the government will want to find ways of recouping that lost income. The obvious answer is to raise a duty on electricity provided by a public rapid charger. This will all increase the amount of money we'll end up paying to run our cars. I highly expect over the next at least two years for Rotax to come back in for electric cars, if I'm honest. I see the government looking at it going, regardless of who you vote for, I think they'll see the decline in road tax on one hand and think, where am I going to get that money? The easiest way is just turn it back on. You know, you have to pay that. And it might only be, let's say, £50. But that £50 times the vast amount of people that are going to be going EV will start to increase, which means their revenue will, will start to balance. So I, I don't think it will go to, like, you know, adding more duty for electricity and things like that because there's been a lot in the uh, in the news and government over the last x amount of years for you know how energy providers have been ripping people off so i i think the easiest way for them is is rotax they've done it for years for uh, for us and, and what you drive and unfortunately for the likes of people like tesla and people like that i think it would be very much 
the more expensive your car is, the more money you'll pay. Because I think there's already tax breaks up to a certain point, like when you buy a car, and then, you know, if you get one that's Tesla, which is 70, 80, 90,000 pounds, I think obviously some of that sort of goes away. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I think, you know, we're, we're still in the honeymoon period at the moment where the uh, early adopters like us are, are, you know, reaping the benefits of having no road tax and things like that. But I think that will change. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I'd be disappointed if it was within two years. Oh, so would I. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit of an optimist and I'll say I think we've got five years to go before the government actually turns around and says the amount of duty that we're losing on EVs is such that they need to start uh, charging us for uh, vehicle excise duty. I think it's 100% guaranteed that it will come back at some point in the future. Yeah, and let's face it, governments don't do anything quickly, so we might have a bit of time. (laughs) As I mentioned earlier, we spoke to a couple of people on this topic at a recent EV meet in Kent, so let's listen to uh, what they had to say. I think it definitely needs to be a simpler system. I, I think that anyone getting into electric transport for the very first time would find it quite bewildering, the number of different cards, different accounts that you have to have. And I would definitely, definitely like to see a charger at every petrol station forecourt. I don't know how, how, how it goes technically with chargers next to pumps and things. Yeah. And <laughs> something they may have to think about, and, you know. I think that having a single rapid charge post in any particular location is not ideal it's it's fine for covering a large geographic area quickly but you are always going to have the fear that you're going to get to the charger and it's going to be in use if you have two or three or more then you eliminate that whole that whole issue i think the biggest thing that they ought to do and legislate this is contactless payments on every pump contactless absolutely aside from the fact of obviously being charged a a, a stupid holding fee i'm not so much of a contactless payment i think because the cars are electric they have can bus systems that you should literally just be able to plug your car in to any charger regardless of who it's owned by and basically charge to an account we're doing okay at the moment because we've already got companies like ZapMap and PlugShare that have the maps that show you where the charges are and they do show you where which ones are being used at the same time but it would be nice to have they're not always that reliable so it would be quite nice to have something that's a bit more definitive so that you could if you're heading towards the charger you know that that is working and it's free and so that would be quite obviously there's no way of predicting whether it's being iced yes more chargers that are able to charge more than one car at a time some of the, the charger companies are going backwards mm-hmm. uh, you get the likes of charge master yep. who make the polar chargers uh, their new ultra chargers are capable i think they should be capable of charging at least two cars one on a dc one on an ac yep. their old chargers which were dbt units mm-hmm. can charge two cars but the current new generation ones can only charge one car at a time Simon, one thing I would really like to see is each non-service station location having a minimum of two chargers, ideally provided by two separate companies. It would be great to get to somewhere like a motorway service station and see a couple of polar chargers as well as a couple of, hopefully, a couple of upgraded Ecotricity chargers. That way you have more choice, but you also have less chance of all chargers falling 
in case of a service outage by one company. You can also then charge more than one vehicle at once. Yeah, it's an interesting point, to be honest, and I suppose alluding to, say, Ecotricity. Now, I don't want this to come across as a, uh, a kind of a I, I hate Ecotricity because actually I'm, I was one of the, the advocates of them, certainly when I first started um, driving an EV car a year ago. That to me was pretty much all I, I knew. I didn't know other EV company uh, charging companies existed. Um, so, you know, I'd always go to a service station using Ecotricity and it would either be very hit and miss. I thought that was the norm. And then obviously as more and more companies have come out and Polar and Instavolt and all these lovely other companies, you've, you've got, unfortunately got a company that's gotten a monopoly and is hindering everything. And now there's a part of me that really wants Ecotricity to fail. And, and that sounds really bad. But actually, they're doing more harm than good now, and they need to have the decency to let go of the monopoly and, as you say, let other companies in. So you alluded to earlier, Tesla has already paid a significant amount of money to them um, to use the same kind of area or a, a within the area, uh, like a car park, uh, for their superchargers, um, which is insane. And whoever came up with the contract for these companies is either an evil genius or um, just atrocious because it makes no sense. You know, the, the, the company has always said they're for green electricity and uh, EV owners and stuff like that, all for it. But actually now it's coming across, certainly to new EV drivers, that they're not. And allowing like you said people like polar or instavolt or other companies within there so like you said if you go to a supercharger for instance i was a, a self mims um a couple of days ago you drive in there and on the right hand side you you, you might as well see a, a really glowing golden area which is called the tesla superchargers which you will not go anywhere near if you haven't got tesla um and it's glorious you know there's like 20 of them um they're always working uh, people are always charging there there's never a, a, a queue for them you go to the other side where your eco tristy is now don't get me wrong south mims has generally been on free vent which is awesome um it wasn't unfortunately two days ago um but um there's two sitting there one's got ccs and some others and the other one's got like a, a slower type two and stuff like that so again that's kind of you know if if somebody's got there and they're using the ccs you're you're trying to have to go on the lower rate stuff. But you imagine if you went there and that whole bank of kind of parking spots were uh, Ecotricity, Instavolt, Polar, Engini, whoever it is, and they've all got their own, you know, here's two bays for you, you pay the motorway services X amount each month, and that's your little slot. You maintain that, we just provide the electricity. We get a little cut, you get a little cut. And then unfortunately for Ecotricity, they'll soon find that they're the people that are not being used because uh, all those other companies will be either more reliable they'll work they'll be easier and you've got a choice that is the key point you'll have a choice obviously if we go to this charging hub model moving forward it's not going to matter you're going to go and you're going to pick one of 20 say uh, and you know you hopefully it'll be contactless and away you go but in the meantime whilst these uh, services that exist and have got infrastructure that are heavily relying on ecotricity because of some weird contract and it must be doing damage to their business because i know countless people that avoid them like the plague i'm one of them i you know if i know there's an ecotricity but there's a polar two miles away i'll go to the polar and it's sad to say it really is it it, it saddens me to say that because i don't want any company that associated with ev cars to fail but i now think they have to in order for 
those sort of areas to move on and the only way to do it is like you said have choice get a few contracts with a few different vendors to say come on come on you've only got to look at um the milton Keynes charging hub the milton Keynes charging hub's got eight polars but actually now ionity uh, are coming in with 350 kilowatt chargers as well so around the outskirt of the charging hub so they're they're like milton Keynes are like come on in you know the more the better and again that gives people choice so if you've got a car that like mine that only has 50 kilowatts you'll probably go and use a polar don't get me wrong i'm going to use the um the honesty to try it out if you've got you know one of these super duper sort of teslas or whatever the next type of thing is that will use those higher speeds then you've got a choice do i do i go to the 50 kilowatt one and wait for maybe an hour or do I go to an Ionity one and wait 20 minutes? It's down to choice. People like choice and they like simplicity. If you can put those into an area like the services, people are going to love it. And it doesn't, then then you're not rocking up and sort of saying, oh, is it going to be working? Is it going to be busy? All, all these different things that go along with it. So the only other thing I think I will say is that we've mentioned contactless payments, which is, I think, the way to go. We also need to make sure that every single one of those chargers are connected in terms of app connected like ZapMap or PlugShare. Not all of them are and not all of them will tell you whether they're occupied or not. Ecotricity is a prime example. They don't always come up properly. And there's a, a few other companies. So even the 7 kilowatt chargers over near my Waitrose have little 4G SIMs in them. So basically that's what connects back to apps and central office to give you that status whether whether it's available or not that's another key factor i think along with uh, along with the costs totally agree something that you brought up then which i hadn't actually worked through in my own mind and but it makes complete complete sense if you've got two or more charging suppliers at one location such as a motorway service area you then get the possibility of them competing for customers by lowering the price per kilowatt hour so you're then getting competition now in reality does that actually work because when you get to the motorway service stations at the moment and look at the fossil fuel it's considerably more expensive than the same supplier on a no motorway service area captive market yeah i'm just wondering whether the same would apply for for you know if it was polar versus ecotricity or polar and instavolt and ecotricity i'm not sure Right, let's summarise. This is an interesting topic and there are lots of permutations to be reckoned with as we move forward. Uh, One thing is for sure, we're going to have a lot of movement in this space over the coming years. So stay tuned and we'll be talking about it as things develop. So let's wrap up by seeing if there is a cool EV or renewable thing that you've come across that you can share with our listeners. People that know me um, know that I like to um, try and kill myself falling off stuff. Um, generally, if it's if it's electric and it moves, I want to try it and then try it again and fall off it and then try it again anyway. Um, so um, uh, the people that know me know that I... I uh, are trying and um, uh, to learn a electric skateboard um, for my sins, and I blame this on the fees K that got me into it via like teaching me how to ride an electric unicycle. Um, so I, I kind of started to ride that, and and I I started getting into the kind of electric boarding scene, started watching loads of YouTube videos, um, and kind of just really got into it and mesmerised by how these clearly probably younger people than me um like like about like 20 25 years um could whiz around at 20 plus miles an hour and uh 
and, and not fall off like I do. Although when they do, it's quite funny to watch, as you know. Um, <laughs> um, but actually, I, and I was looking across a, a few forums and found um, a company called Evolve, which are, are quite a very big um, electric skateboarding company. They've got a, a branch in the UK and they were having a meetup in Gravesend in Kent yesterday, so Saturday. Um, so I, I made an inquiry. I said, look, you know, I, I have my daughter with me. Can we just come down and watch? And I can, can I film? Yeah. And it was very welcoming. They were so good. They said, look, come down. Even if you haven't got a board, come down. If you do get a chance, use one of our boards if you want to give it a try. I thought, that's nice, but I don't want to A, kill myself yet, and B, break a £1,500 skateboard. Uh, um, and um, But they were so welcoming. Me, me and my daughter went down there. Um, we, we, we drove down in the EV, so again, it would cost us nothing. We walked in. I took my filming gear and uh, met a YouTuber that I'd literally been following for the last three weeks, who's a, a skateboarder based in London. Uh, talk to him again very welcoming he goes look I've got two or three boards if you want to go out come out um, and and we sat down in the sun watching all these grass borders go round on these really big wheeled kind of electric skateboards and it was just it was just so good and so well um, evented and the people that, that ride them are were, were just brilliant and they were giving me newbie hints and tips and things like that and it's just got me thinking now. It's like, you know, next year, over the next year, learn and really nail how to ride an electric skateboard. And then over the course of the year, save up the uh, insane amount of money for one of, one of these new ones, which means I can then fall off on the grass instead of pavement. Um, so, you know, if nothing else, it'll give more people more of a laugh. Um, but no, I, I kind of suppose just a bit of a shout out to Evolve Skateboards. They were They were amazing very welcoming and uh, yeah it was a great fun day so if you get a chance to try anything not just ev cars if you get to try like a unicycle or a skateboard or a, um you know a scooter all these sort of things they're great little things obviously be careful wear pads and helmets and all the rest of it um i'm case in point for that um but um yeah give them a try you know ev cars are not the only form of transport and certainly if you're doing small distances it, it may be something that it'd be good and um you know i'm 46 so you're never too old apparently <laughs> that sounds like quite a cool community to be involved with my cool thing is a rebuttal article for the one we mentioned in the podcast about ev myths around the fact that evs are more disastrous to the environment than diesel cars this was from a report produced by the University of Cologne, I believe. The report comes from Electrek and it dismantles that article in oh so many ways and it's a thing of beauty to read. Passages such as, and I quote, studies looking at overall emissions based on electricity generation have actually debunked this and showed that electric cars are cleaner and becoming cleaner as renewable energy is becoming a more important part of the electric grid. Studies have been done specifically showing that EVs are cleaner than diesel, no matter which European grid electricity you use, close quotes, and open quotes. The study is clearly flawed. It's an old idea that's in, untrue in most markets, and it's a dumb way to look at the market in the first place, close quotes. I recommend a read of the article. It should take about five minutes of your time. Links are in the show notes. <laughs> And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, Simon is at... 
I'm at the EV side on Twitter and YouTube for all things crazy and electric. And I'm the real Gary C on Twitter. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it makes us feel loved and helps us know we're not shouting into the void here. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.